A former water utilities leader with the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan, Xylem Client Solutions Manager, Nicole Pash, joins us for this installment of Solving Water, a Xylem podcast. Nicole gives us a rare behind the scenes look at what it's like to manage environmental services for a mid-sized municipality, including spearheading a comprehensive digital transformation to smart infrastructure. She'll also give us a view into how she's using her firsthand experience to help other municipalities understand opportunities for digitalization and the benefits to turning their operations into smart utilities. Here's the discussion. Good morning. I'm Amanda Holloway, your host of Solving Water, and I'm delighted to welcome Nicole Pash to the show today. Nicole, I'm super excited to have you here because I'm looking forward to hearing about your journey with the city of Grand Rapids and then what led you to join the Xylem team. And awesome. I know we've I, I know we've only spoken once before briefly, so I actually don't know your whole background. Um, and it would be great if we could just kind of start with your backstory through where we are today um, for not just for my benefit, but also all of our listeners. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I've been around now for one year, so super pumped to be here. And then previous to that, I worked for the city of Grand Rapids for 14 years. So straight on an undergrad, um, I started at the lab uh, at the wastewater plant. And my first job at the utility was literally washing the sludge buckets. So awesome. Start from the bottom, go to the top story, I think, um, along the way, I work uh, both in wastewater and on the drinking water side. I even worked in energy lighting communications when that got brought into environmental services. So a lot of um, background in water, wastewater, stormwater, energy, lighting, communications. I even managed customer service for the utility uh, during the Flint crises. So there's a lot of information about that that I could share, but yeah, good times. So then I, along the way I did go to grad school, but, um, then I joined Zylon. So I'm super pumped to be here. That's awesome. What was it like? I mean, this is maybe a basic question, but what was it like to manage a utility of this scale? Um, fun, challenging, rewarding. Every day you start with an idea of what your day is going to be like. And definitely at the end, you can feel like you have no idea how you got there. But somewhere along the way, we solved problems, we created opportunities, and and did something good. So it's all good. Were there, uh, you know, what kinds of things were you having to, did you have to worry about or decisions you had to make? Oh, everything. From people to environmental contaminants, right, to regulatory changes, to, to budget, to financials, to understanding your community and what their needs were. It really is this holistic blend of providing a, a service so necessary to life and, and really connecting the life around you to it um, and, and finding those decisions to make, I guess. That's, I mean, that's great. Did you have like a, a, a specific challenge that you thought was like, that rises to the surface as the biggest one you had to deal with when you were with the city? It will always be people, right? People and changing the mindsets and and getting through that will always be the biggest challenge. I think utilities face uh, utilities inevitably and for good reason are resistant to change. Um, there's a lot of cover yourselves behaviors, and the consequence for error can be interpreted as incredibly high, depending on the situation. 
And so you really have to, I guess, find that balance of moving forward and letting go. And that will always be a hard and true. And so you feel a little bit of confidence in that, but they're also not sustainable. And so you've got to change some of those behaviors or the way you do things to meet tomorrow's needs. Because really focusing on tomorrow is what is going to get you further than, than focusing on today. So then how did you, what are some strategies you used um, when you're working through these, this, the people part of things, the, the changing mindsets, like how were you able to sort of shift that? Because I think that kind of leads into the, the, you know, the rest of the discussion about um, just digital transformation and how you helped the city get to that point. Yeah, um, you know, you spend a lot of time just kind of walking through scenarios, brainstorming. Um, you find your internal champions, the ones that are asking the questions of why um, or are not liking a certain process that we're doing. They're going to be your first people to jump on board with, well, how would you do it different? And I remember this time I walked into my big boss's office when I was fairly young in the utility. And I said, we collect these samples in the scariest parts of town. And my dad doesn't want me to do this. So, and I said, furthermore, we get these samples, we send them to the lab. It takes two weeks for us to get them back. And we can only regulate these people for seven days. So what good is this? You're putting my, myself at risk. My dad's not happy. And we're not doing anything with the data. And those are the kind of questions that I started looking for. And when people bring up those kind of questions, those are the opportunities to find your champion and let them run. You know, what, how would you solve it then? what you said was really interesting in terms of the people aspect, because I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of managing employees um, and what their feedback might be versus what you're seeing also from the community, which I think, you know, in my experience so far at Xylem, you know, I think that that's a component that, that often gets overlooked, right. Is the community side of, interacting with the municipality and, and what, you know, those, those end users, those rate payers are having to experience. So um, I think it's, you know, an interesting glimpse into kind of what you had to deal with day to day. Was there anything very surprising? Was there like that you, that happened uh, to you or that you encountered while you were with the city? Um, you know, surprises happen a lot, I guess. There's always a new reg, like PFAS, right? We didn't see that coming. Um, marijuana, didn't see that one coming. And so as you're dealing with those kind of uh, challenges that seem really big, the rest seem somewhat manageable, right? And so, you know, I liked your component of bringing the people perspective in. Um, one of those challenges that I didn't see coming was when we were doing our combined sewer overflow separation project. We were working in the areas of town that had combined sewers, right? And we were separating them. And that was environmentally what we were to do. However, when you separate the sewers and you put things back to normal, or back to normal is often better. So you're redoing their roads, you're redoing their streetscapes, you're putting your trees in, and you're beautifying a neighborhood. And what we found is that we were neglecting certain areas of our community by doing that. Um, you know, being sewer people, our minds were literally in the sewer. And so we were only focused on those areas of town. And our other areas of town that maybe are more concentrated areas of, you know, 
concern, et cetera, neighborhoods of focus were not being focused on and we were not beautifying those neighborhoods. Although that wasn't our intent in our project, it is an outcome. And I think you have to be mindful of those outcomes and the surprises that come with that because it is, it is what people see and how they feel connected. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think this probably, like I said, leads into the the rest of the discussion around digital transformation. So, you know, for our listeners, you basically were the, the leader of Grand Rapids um, that brought the utility into like into a smart situation, right? So we're turning uh, this, this, this digital transformation. And so I'm guessing that was a pretty big challenge just based, just based on what you've shared with us so far, but you know, how did you, how did you decide that you want, like, how did you start this process? And especially since it's such an epic mind shift for, for folks. Yeah. So, um, you know, part of it has to do with uh, the economic recession that we were facing in Grand Rapids. And so back in, you know, the mid to late 2000s, uh, we were in the Rust Belt and a lot of our manufacturers were automotive components manufacturers. And so as the automotive industry was really not doing well during that time, uh, neither were a lot of people in our community. And so we had a hiring freeze for a long time, maybe eight years. I used to say I was the kid for a decade. Um, I think I was the last person hired and then for like 10 years, it felt like. And so you had to make the shift of, we don't have enough people to do things that we need to do. We don't have enough expertise to do the things that we need to do. So we've got to start looking at things differently. Uh, We used to start a meeting when we had a challenge, we would all kind of get in a group and we would call it, what would you do? No resource limitations, none of the negatives. It was straight up. How would you solve it? With all the resources in the world, what would you do? And then we work backwards from there. But I think it gave us this kind of sense of we could accomplish something. We weren't focused on, you know, what hindered us. We were focused on what we could do. And um, that really changed how how we solve problems. That's changed how we put digital solutions into our sewer system to manage, you know, that system. We had a digital system in our treatment fit facility and how we manage that system. It was, it was like everything we had to do that was too much for us to even think about. We thought about it differently and we found a system that would work for us. That's awesome. And can you share with us some of the, the steps you took, the, the, I guess, phases of making that shift to digital? Yeah. Um, you know, it's almost just like the blue X approach where it's like, turn on the lights, sense, predict, act, right? The first thing we would do is put sensors out there. What could you learn from the system and what could, what data could you get? And then you start sensing, predicting, okay, well, we think it's going to do this based on trend analysis. And then you start acting and you change things. Um, you know, we, it's so hard to think of one example. <laughs> um, you know, one instance that we have is we had a brewery come into town And they really were expanding rapidly. And I'm sure everyone on the podcast has had an all-day IPA. And so as that brewery was doing so well, our uh, effluent, our our wastewater coming into the plant, our influent, sorry, um, was really highly concentrated in biochemical oxygen demand. And we were reaching capacity. And we started asking ourselves, well, what would you do differently? 
And we said, well, I'd isolate it, put it in a tank and feed it at night because that's where we have a dip in our loadings and we can treat it for like free. So that's what we did. It's super crazy. We, we were going to isolate one plant's effluent, you know, take it to a, a holding tank and then feed our system when we wanted to feed it. But that's how we thought differently about the collection system. We no longer said, this is a dumping ground. We said, this is a resource recovery network and we're going to go find those resources and we're going to use them differently. That's great. Did you, did you encounter, by the way, I've been to that brewery and it's fantastic. Um, Did you encounter like any major roadblocks? Like, was there, you know, I'm not asking you to name names, obviously, but like, were there, was it like very difficult for you to get these people on board? I think in our previous discussion, we were talking a little bit about how um, you were able to gather the data and, but it was very difficult to actually change your behaviors or your actions based on that data. And so I'm just curious if there was like a big, yeah, it definitely takes time. Um, you know, operations is going to be probably the biggest roadblock because you have to prove it to them before they're going to adopt it. And so you have to almost run in parallel and show that your system is working just as well as how they would run it and they would operate it manually. Um, And it takes a long time. And then it has to get to the point where something kind of flips in them and they're like, well, I want to do something else. So can you like turn your system on over here? And they're like, sure, um, no problem. You know, and then you kind of start small and then, and then they realize that, you know, it's not that we're trying to take away their productivity or their connectedness to their environment or their output or, you know, what they, they're water people too, right? They want to make a difference. And so I think at first they think, oh, you're taking away my job, but then they slowly realize that I'm trying to optimize your job. I'm trying to make you like, let you do cooler stuff because there's always more to do and there's always better stuff to do and we can always make a bigger difference. So so it's not taking away, it's offering something better. It's really insightful. Um, and I think, you know, it kind of leads into my next question, which is what, is there a, like a definitive piece of advice you would give municipalities when, you know, approaching digital transformation like what that you learned, like a takeaway you could share? Just try it. Um, I think everybody gets so paralysis by analysis and they want it all to be perfect. And I will tell you, I've learned more from imperfect systems, just having some information uh, than than perfect systems. And trends can tell you stuff. So, okay, the data isn't 100% on compared to your lab method. It's still like a thousand times more pieces of information than your lab method that you get every other day, you know, two days in arrears. So, you just have to kind of get over some of that and realize that it's, it is different, but just try it and see what you can find and find your win. And then use that win to get the next win and, and kind of keep building on what you're, what you've done. Because I think at that time, your culture will change. So see your win and they'll want to get another win. And then you build that culture. We used to ask ourselves in our staff meeting, what were we first at this week? What do you want to be first at? And it was just this culture we created by just trying. Like, okay, maybe some things failed. They definitely did. But who cares? Because we made some awesome things. 
It's really interesting. I mean, a, a question I have is, is, is there like, is there a budgetary fear around this? Just because I know you're talking about how digital transformation at Grand Rapids was essentially born out of the recession. Um, so it was born out of need. And I think, you know, that is a great opportunity that you took. Um, but I wonder if the the budget piece of it and investment is also something that is maybe troublesome for bodies. And so how, how do you, how did you navigate that? Yeah. So budget's always going to be a challenge. Um, and more so now it's the political turnover and not understanding the budgetary impacts that you've made along the way. And so when we used to have uh, maybe managers that stayed longer or leaders that stayed longer, they would understand that you did this cool project five years ago that saved a billion dollars. And so we're using some of that to keep improving your system over time. But when you have a political turnover of maybe every three years, that person hasn't gotten the wins And so it's really hard because you have to kind of get them an early win so that they believe you again. And so I think that's where the budgetary kind of challenges are right now. Utilities inevitably have to get better being storytellers. We've got to have this comprehensive, you know, history of where we've been and what we've done and what we saw. Because as political leaders change, you've got to be able to show those wins so that you can keep building on it. Because um, getting a new big win like that every three years is that's exhausting and <laughs> maybe impossible, right? So, so how do you tell your story better so that your citizens are also aware and behind you? And and um, you know, I at the end before I left, actually, I, I hired a PR company, and that seems bonkers for a utility, just a public municipal, you know, smallish utility to have a PR firm, but it was. It was about that connectedness and we've got to build our story out because as political leaders change, they don't know it. And so we've got to have those, we've got to have our community behind us. Well, that's really, again, just I'm learning so much. It's it's awesome. Um, Shifting gears a little bit. I want to hear about your experience coming over to Xylem. Like, was there a specific moment or situation that you knew, like, you knew you wanted to come work here? Um, I knew it was a place that I could be a part of. When some of the Xylem people came into my my office, which I called the collaboration room because it had, like, couches and desks and giant things in my tiny little desk in a corner, because I wanted to create that space, right, of let's solve challenges that are going to us, but we can do it, right? And, um, Zylan came in, a couple of my colleagues now, and we just whiteboard rambled for hours about what could you model? What could you solve? What could data tell you? Like, what do you want to do? And it was stuff that was, it felt very like, oh my gosh, you know, at the time, like, there's no way. But now we look at that whiteboard where we took a picture of it and we're like, dude, we could do that. And I think that that's, that's when I knew that Zylan was a good place for me because you know, the whole let's solve water thing, you know, people think it's a tagline, but it's not. It's more than that. It, it is a culture and it is who we are. And it is about solving those challenges that feel so much bigger than we're able to be to solve as a person. But together, I mean, if we bring some of these minds together and actually look at those things like that, we can do it. 
and we have done it and it's cool. So tell us a little bit about what your, um, what your role at Xylem entails. Sure. Um, so I'm a client solutions manager in the, I guess, uh, the digital transformation group, digital services group. And what we do is we help utilities solve those giant challenges through digital transformation. So essentially, basically what I've done, you know, inside the utility, I now get to do with a whole lot of utilities. And it's super fun because there are colleagues that you already had in the industry. You know, they're your industry friends you would see at conferences and kind of chat. But now I actually get to be on their team, um, you know, at the same time. And, and so that's really that's really fun. It's great because I've been there in some of it. I haven't been there in others. So I get to hear about really not cool because any challenge is not cool, but it's still as a utility person, you kind of, that's like your thing, right? Oh, that's complicated. I can solve that. Um, And so, so yeah, that's, that's what we do. Um, You know, a lot of long-term control plans, a lot of looking at assets and, and saying, I have this system. It's not the greatest and nobody's is. But saying, what can I do better with it? How can I maximize the value out of it? How do I make a solution to this problem that's more affordable for my citizen or equitable in how I'm changing the world? Um, you know, those are, that's what we need to do now. It's super fun. That's great. Do you have um, an example of some of like the types of results that you're helping the, your clients get? Um, yeah. Let's see if I have that data. Anyway, so South Bend, for example, this year had the lowest amount of volume in CSO overflows since 2008 when we started doing work with them and actually measuring it. And it was not even a dry year. It was a wet year. And so that means that our system is doing better. They're utilizing the system effectively, doing the real-time decision support, and actually making the changes as operators and and awesome. What an environmental impact that's made. It has helped from a community impact. Um, you know, they were able to, they're renegotiating their consent decree and reducing the amount of money that they have to spend on it, which is it's directly tied to affordability in a community that just, just couldn't. And those are the ways that our real-time systems and our digital and our data and our advanced algorithms are really changing the world even at a homeowner level. That's so cool. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the pandemic because you joined Xylem in the middle of the pandemic. And I just am curious if that affected your decision to come to Xylem, if there was, or how the pandemic, if at all, impacted like your job. Um, You know what? The pandemic did impact me because at, at first it was super scary. And then we all sat in our room, right? And said, how would you solve it? And we all looked at each other and said, we already solved this. We have the digital tools and the digital systems in place to do this for us. We just have to believe them. Um, you know, and that's, that's really when you start to say, okay, we're only going to clean the sewers that say they need cleaning right now until we know it's safe to go in the sewers. So use the system. We're only going to adjust the wastewater treatment process if we need to adjust it, but the system knows better than we do because the manufacturers have shut down. The wastewater is different. So use the system, stay safe, be us, and let's use the tools that we already have in place. And then I kind of sat back and I was like, they don't need me anymore. 
you know, it was like, we've got this. And if we've got this, we've got anything. Um, and so I was like, okay, I can leave now. It's all right. So it made it easier, I guess. Yeah, you made it. Well, you made an incredible mark. Uh, I'm sure that those were pretty big shoes to fill um, for the next person, but um, we're very fortunate to have you on our team. Um, and I'm glad that you're loving it because <laughs> there's definitely no shortage of, of water issues to solve. Um, that is true. Is there something that you would have, like you wish you would have known? So I, I have like two sides to this question. Um <laughs> Is there something you know now that you wish you would have known when you were still with Grand Rapids? Um, I don't know that we always knew that our ideas were just as powerful as anyone else's. Um, I think sometimes we thought we were just small, you know, we're a medium-sized utility. We weren't, we weren't the giants in the room. Um, and so, you know, you kind of sit back and listen to others more. And I, I think that we needed to realize that our stories and our thought processes were just impactful as any other utility across the globe. And that sharing our stories and your thoughts out loud makes for better products, makes for better solutions, it makes for better leaders, it makes for better, better water people. Um, so yeah, I just encourage, I guess, my Xylem colleagues to listen because I think listening to utilities is, is key. Um, but also the utilities speak up tell them, you know, tell us what you want. Tell us what, what problem you're thinking. Oh my goodness. I can't do today. Um, because you know, like I said, together we can brainstorm, we can white whiteboard ramble as we call it and find something. So then on the flip side, is there anything specific from your time with Grand Rapids that has helped you specifically in this role at Xylem? Well, I think experience, right? Um, you know, I can have any conversation uh, with, with the utility. I've been there, right? I'm, I'm one of them. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's about, it's about looking beyond the right, the direct thing in front of you. Um, you know, as you grow as a leader or as you spend time in the utility, you realize that the problem in front of you isn't the problem. Um, and you've got to take a step back and really look at it from those different perspectives and different angles in order to really solve what you're really trying to fix. And what you're trying to fix is tomorrow's problem. Um, and so, yeah, don't, when they, when, you know, somebody says, I need this, sure, they might need that, they think today, but what would you really give them if you were trying to solve their problem for tomorrow? That's interesting. Um... So just a couple more questions for you here. Um, what has been some of them, you know, in, in your role at Xylem, what are some of your, you know, primary goals or like your favorite aspects, most challenging things that you've run into? Favorite aspects. Uh, I think just talking to different utilities and finding the, the common ground. Um, I think it's really fun to see that things you thought maybe were just your own problem or, or everyone's. Um, the challenges is, I remember being one of those people, right, where you'd have phone calls or emails that you're like, I've got to get back with that person, but I really can't do that for weeks or days. And being on the other end of that is not that fun. 
um because you don't want to bug them because you know how it's like but at the same time you're like I really need you to get talk with me um so that's been an interesting little uh payback if you will um it's just fun it's just fun in a different way I guess cool um I just want to circle back to uh the digital transformation discussion because I think that's something you know we really that this discussion could help any you know water professionals especially in the utilities or um, municipal sectors would would appreciate to, to like what do we want the utilities to what do we want these folks to know about digital transformation like is there something they they could do immediately that's like small or, or, you know, a first step that can just start the process? Yeah, it's, it's mostly just get your data in order. Where is your data? Who has it? How do you make it more accessible? Um, you know, not every data is going to be in, interoperable, but I think we can get around that with some of our tools that we have. And so it's usually just meant to solve all of that. But finding what data you have and then asking yourself what, what issues you're trying to solve and then, you know, working together to brainstorm and connect those two. Because there's data that utilities collect that they wouldn't even think would impact other things, right? Um, you know, it, it took me a long time to convince the water department that every water meter was a sewer meter. You know, if you have a water meter in somebody's house and you're billing them for water, you're also using it to go for sewer. So sewer actually does care about the volume going through that meter. That is something that does impact their work. And that's just, I mean, one obvious example of a, of a data stream that water had that sewer didn't. And it was like, wait a minute. Um, you know, so just kind of get that in order and then figure out what you're trying to do. What are your huge CapEx, um, you know, expenses that are coming up? And that's, that's honestly the best place to start is, is find something that you're, you're not really happy about or, or you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's, that's going to be an expense that our citizens are going to have to live with for 30 years or, and, or more. And, and how do I prevent that? Because there are ways to do it differently. And, um, you know, whether it's an additional transmission main or a tank or a storage tank or, or a tunnel, that's a bad word, but anyway, even <laughs> if it's that, you know, what is that? And then, what data do you have and what data could I, you know, could we add to it? What sensors can we put out there? What more information could we provide that's, you know, in real time anymore? And, and think about it differently. So I guess it, it doesn't have to be this end-all be-all. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to feel so intense. I think it's just, you're doing it already. Just use it. Again, great, <laughs> great insights. Um... I'm, I'm sure our audience is loving the, these takeaways. Uh, so plans for the rest of 2021, what's kind of on your horizon? Oh, boy. Um, no, we have some exciting opportunities in 2021. Like I said, uh, you know, South Bend's finalizing their consent decree. Anytime you can get to like that point is exciting. Uh, Grand Rapids is potentially closing out their entire long-term wet weather program um so getting them over the finish line is obviously like my personal uh hope and dream of 2021 um we're doing some really great work in the great lakes water authority and really focusing not only on the environmental impact but a sustainable affordable equitable impact that cso's can have on their community and reduction of cso's 
based on water quality. Um, and so that's really a different way of looking at things and hoping to solve their, you know, $2 billion consent decree kind of things. Um, that's where we're focusing. We have a lot to do in the Great Lakes. That's where my, I don't know, region is. Um, but we're your water people, right? Up in the Great Lakes. We've got a lot of it. Uh, we love it. We live it. We dream it. And uh, we solve it. Yeah, that's true. I am from Milwaukee and I'm okay. sitting in Milwaukee right now. So I, I totally agree and understand what you're saying about the Great Lakes. <clears throat> Goodness, excuse me. So, okay. One more question for you. And it's a question I ask every guest on the podcast. And, and I'm really curious to, to hear your answer. Um, what is the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? Make more water, people. Influence, change, teach, show, whether it's a new intern or it's the school group coming through your plant on a tour or it's a public event or your neighbor, share, um, because it's out of sight and out of mind. And so we've got to make more water, people. That's a great answer. And (laughs) as I, you know, as I suspected, this was an awesome conversation. Um, super interesting to learn from someone who's experienced both sides of the industry now. So Nicole, thank you so much for your insights and thank you to our audience for tuning in. For more information about Xylem's work in this area, you can uh, see the link in the show notes and then contact me at amanda.holloway at xylem.com with suggestions for topics, guests, and to improve your listening experience. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe 